Thank you for joining us for this Turf Dudes Extra. This is Jack Harrell III, Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at Harrell's. During this episode, we bring you a recording of Dr. Raymond Snyder, Harrell's Director of Agronomy, and Dr. Travis Shaddix, Assistant Professor of Turfgrass at the University of Florida, discussing the power of adjuvants. They're covering how adjuvants work, why they are beneficial, and also which adjuvant to use. This conversation was recorded in 2013 when Dr. Shaddix was on the Harrell's Turf Dudes team. The Turf Dudes conducted a demonstration that was also recorded as a video. Take a look on the webpage of this episode at www.turfdudes.com. Today we're going to be talking about adjuvants, describing their value, how do they work, what do they do, maybe briefly giving some examples of our adjuvant line and where you may or may not find a good fit for them in your management program. So what is an adjuvant? A strict definition of an adjuvant would be a product that modifies the action of a principal ingredient, something that enhances the effectiveness of a principal ingredient. That kind of encompasses a lot of things, Raymond, but what would be a definition that a turf manager would would find useful for them? You know, I I think a a definition useful to our industry would be, uh, for an adjuvant, would be a product that enhances the efficacy of an applied plant protectant. Okay. That, you know, the adjuvants really serve to help uh, reduce surface tension, increase the distribution of an applied material to a leaf surface, and on occasion, enhance the penetration of an applied product through the cuticle into the plant. That's what they do. They increase uh, efficiency of the product by spreading the, the solution across the leaf surface and absorption through the, the cuticle. And they do that by reduction of the, the surface tension of, of water. Briefly, a little bit more in depth on the surface tension issue. The water molecule itself has a certain amount of surface tension that exists on the molecules on the surface of the droplet. And that tension is a little bit larger than the the tension that exists from the molecules inside the droplet. So the adjuvant, which is a surfactant, actually is composed or or made up of two portions of the molecule. One contains or is a hydrophobic portion and one is a hydrophilic portion, correct? And so what happens basically to reduce this surface tension and create more of a slicking surface across the leaf, those adjuvant molecules migrate to the surface because the hydrophobic tail wants to be out of the solution and wants to be out of water. But the head remains in the solution, correct? Yep. And... um, well, what basically happens is that tension of the of the water molecules themselves gets interrupted or, or reduced because the actual molecule, the adjuvant molecule itself, is in between the, ten- the water molecules themselves. So, if you can imagine, maybe you have a certain amount of tension between two objects and you put anything between them, they have a, a, a less uh, strength between those two, I guess is maybe a better way to say it, and, and the, that, that tension reduces and the water droplet you'll see kind of just collapses. Let's briefly talk about the plant itself. The plant itself has evolved to have certain defense mechanisms to survive, to defend itself against pathogens and, and these things. Well, they also de- defend themselves against, you know, absorption of products that we want to get in the leaf, correct? Yeah. The, you know, the plant uh, surface has evolved to to reduce external impacts and also reduce the internal loss of water. So, we have the cuticle, which you mentioned, which is basically a waxy substance that kind of like our skin, it keeps all the stuff inside and the inside and all the stuff we don't want inside keeps it out. We also have things that have evolved for the plants like these hairs here. This is a surface of crabgrass and you wouldn't necessarily, or I wouldn't, I should say necessarily think that there'd be this many fine hairs on crabgrass, but 
With regards to the water droplets' ability to spread out over the leaf, how do these hairs kind of uh, prevent that water from being, you know, spread out over the leaf without the use of nitrogen? Well, the, the the leaf surface is evolved such that it's hydrophobic, doesn't allow for the, the spreading of water over the surface, and the hairs and the cuticles uh, serve to provide that feature of a leaf surface. Here's another cross-section where you see some fine hairs where they, it's my understanding that they help to prevent that water droplet from going across. And here, here's a leaf of a, uh, of a spurge where this leaf here is about the size of a grain of rice. And um, if you look closely, as you see here, you see these you know, numerous hairs on these on these weed surface, these weed leaf surfaces. Okay, so when we talk about surface tension, let's let's show an example of surface tension. And here, this is a, obviously a flower, and we have water on this flower that is really beaded up. And this particular tissue, a flower, it might not necessarily be a tissue that you apply an adjuvant to, but for the sake of showing surface tension and beading, let's look what happens as we um, go down the video. So what this is, is basically, it's a toothpick to show that these water droplets don't want to kind of melt down or they don't want to, you know, slick the surface of the plant. They want to stay in that spherical form. You know, I, I touch the, the water with the toothpick and, and you see it's, it's, very rigid. That form, it doesn't... Uh, it's resistant to change. It's resistant to change. Yeah. So, what I did was I then took that toothpick and I soaked it in, I believe this is not on a penetrant, and I just soaked the tip of it. So, it's not a droplet necessarily of the penetrant. It's just the, the wood itself of the toothpick has been soaked in the penetrant. And then I come back and just touch. All it takes is just a little bit of this product. Just touch the water droplet itself and you'll see it just dissolve down and melt down. So, the surface area of the tissue is far more covered with the with the solution. In this case, it's just water than it was before. So, when you mention herbicide uptake or efficiency, this is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So, the, the surfactant in this example really helps to reduce the surface tension and promote the water spread across that leaf tissue. So, here's another example with crabgrass where the water droplet, the first one that I touch, actually completely runs off the leaf. Now, I kind of like this example because imagine if that water droplet there was the water droplet with your product in it that you're interested in. It's not even on the leaf tissue anymore. So, any foliar product, even fertilizers, would it be useful with fertilizers as well? Yeah. Foliar fertilizer. Sure. So, here's the water droplet and we touch it with uh, an adjuvant and you see that water just slowly slip over the entire leaf surface. So, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that without the product in a certain amount of the leaf surface was covered and you're only going to have a certain amount of product uptake, whether it's nutrients or pesticides. And yeah. now you see the leaf surface far more covered. And, that, and that's a great example. I'll imagine, if you will, a plant control product within that droplet spreading uniformly over the target pest. That mm -hmm. That's a really useful example. Those were examples of actual water droplets and it's not real life. We have a little toothpick. We're kind of showing the surface tension issue. We're showing the influence of adding an adjuvant to a water droplet, trying to show that, magnify that influence for, for a video. Um, but we don't do that in real life. We spray it out. And what I wanted to attempt to show here was show the, the weed of the target pest we're looking at being sprayed with water and then coming back and spraying that same target pest with an adjuvant. And you see the first spray, there's beads of water. And then the second sprays we see here, those beads of water disappear, but it's important, to, I think, to point out to the viewers that the water didn't disappear. It slicked over the leaf surface, correct? Yeah. I mean, that first spray was, was a great example of what happens when spray droplets are applied to a target pest in the absence of a surfactant. And uh, in, in that second spray, you can clearly see the addition of the surfactant really helped move and distribute those fine water droplets over the complete leaf surface. And that's really going to promote the efficacy and efficiency of that applied herbicide. 
So here we have a particularly uh, unique weed in the sense that it is very, very capable of repelling water. It's, this is chamber bitters. And as I even did this, I was amazed at how little water even stayed on the leaf at all, period. There's beading on it. Okay, you see some beads here. But that is secondary, I think, to the plant's ability to completely repel all the water completely off the leaf. So imagine, you know, how challenging this weed would be if you had a herbicide in solution and you sprayed it out without an adjuvant. There's there's no herbicide on the plant. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if you had a herbicide that was designed for foliar uptake applied in the absence of, of the surfactant, the majority of that spray solution is going to end up on the non-target turf. Exactly. Okay. And at that point, you're relying on root uptake, which may not be the ideal function of that herbicide. And so, here you see the leaf when we, you know, right afterwards, you spray it with uh, the solution with the adjuvant in it. And you see every leaf in this particular case is is moistened as there's water on every leaf. So, um, just another example of this particular weed being challenging weed to wet, um, being very easy to wet with the presence of an adjuvant in the solution. Yeah. And if that's a great example where if you're spot spraying and you're using a surfactant, you're minimizing the droplets or residue via drift or, or re repelling from that target plant that's going to end up on the non-target plant, mm -hmm. thereby reducing undesired tip burn or turf loss. So here's, we, we all know this weed, Spurge, and it's a, it's a similar thing what we saw previously where the first spray is just water and you see a lot of beading. Some of the water will actually drip off the leaf, but you actually can see beading a little bit more clear in this example. And then, you know, the second spray again is, is an adjuvant and it's the same story. You see all the leaves are, are wet. If there, there's no herbicide in the solution, but if the solution contained herbicide, any of that product would be, uh, have a greater opportunity or chance for uptake. And that's really one part of the, of the adjuvant story, as we mentioned, spreading across the leaf surface, increasing the odds of uptake simply by having more interaction and contact with the leaf surface. The other part of the adjuvant is the penetration of the cuticle, the differences in the, the ability of these adjuvants to penetrate the cuticle. It seems to me, and this is just my, my understanding, Raymond, is that all these adjuvants, for the most part, will spread across the leaf surface to a greater or lesser degree, but they'll all do that. Is that correct? Yeah, that, absolutely. Will they all more or less have a ability to penetrate the cuticle or will some have that ability and others not? Or how does Yeah, in general, uh, most of the surfactants are going to serve both functions to reduce surface tension and promote penetration of the cuticle. Uh, some classes of adjuvants perform that second function better than others. Okay. So, we'll get into that in a little bit more detail a little bit later as we go through each one individually. So, here we go. The same exact weed, the same exact part of this uh, turf area without the adjuvant on the left and with the adjuvant on the right. And this is a little bit more broad view of it where you see the one on the left has a little bit of beading and the one on the right, you see this sheen or this kind of um, a darker color that occurs. Well, that color occurs because the, all the, the entire plant is wet. Here's an example where, okay, we've gone from a very small micro example of a one droplet with a toothpick, then we stepped it up to where we're physically spraying it with a water bottle, a little bit more realistic. In this case, this is actually a spray rig itself with normal nozzles like a normal um, superintendent would use or a turf manager would use. We're spraying it out at 40 gallons an acre. This is a, this is a real situation. And what I wanted to show here was that the same thing occurs but it may not necessarily be as obvious, particularly on a video, it may not necessarily be as obvious to show that slicking of the surface. So, as we spray, the one on the left has just water. 
The one on the right has the high rate of non-ionic penetrant. So I think it's 0.5% by volume, I believe is the high rate of the non-ionic penetrant. So this to me is not quite so wow factor as the smaller ones, but the same thing's occurring. It's just more challenging to, to see on a video when you're spraying across the surface. So we see spurge with and without the adjuvant. I mean, that's a great example where there may not be a significant wow factor, but upon close inspection, there's definitely an increase in the leaf coverage of the applied water. You know, 40 to 50 gallons per acre is pretty common mm-hmm. water volume. But even with that, it's, it's not a great volume of water when you're applying it over the surface of an entire acre. So, in these type of situations, clearly the addition of an adjuvant is going to greatly improve the overall surface coverage of the applied materials. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, and that is the amount of material we're putting out is relatively small compared to the area we're putting it out in. So, to me, in my my thinking, whether it's maybe tell me whether it's right or wrong, while it's not picturesque in this, it's not so clear in this picture, it's even more of importance when you have such a small amount of product going out over the leaf. We're not sitting wetting an entire leaf surface. We're simply spraying it across and it seemed like it'd be more valuable. Yeah. And so, if you, you take it to the applied material, so we're applying 40 to 50 gallons per acre and within that 40 to 50 gallons, we're often including control products that only cover... 10 or so grams sometimes per acre with these really low use products. And those materials have a much higher value than the surfactant, which is added to the tank. So to get the maximum efficacy of plant control product or a herbicide really isn't a huge investment to maximize the value of that material. I couldn't agree more. It seems that I've done very little work with adjuvants, but the little work that I have done, it seems that even just a little bit of adjuvant makes a huge difference in terms of the productivity of that product you're putting out. In other words, if you're if you're having some confusion or, or questions about which adjuvant should I use and what's, well, even a little bit of the, any of the adjuvants is going to create a vastly better uptake and better efficiency of that product than no adjuvant at all in my, in my view. Absolutely. You know? I was actually surprised. I was shocked that when I was doing these videos, I was, and I tried to use the maximum amount of the product to really show the, show the purpose. But what I found was it was a little less useful because it had to, sometimes there was like little soap bubbles and stuff in there. It wasn't quite, um, I wasn't, the material, the, the equipment that I was using, was using wasn't, wasn't the spray rig yet. And so I kept lowering it down and lowering it down the volume of the adjuvant and the liquid so that I wouldn't get those, those suds to show up. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. And it was like even below the lowest rate, it yeah. was still showing. Yeah, influence. little goes a long way. I was amazed by that. So this is Spurge. Let's show um, the the weed we showed before in the same text where we have uh, chamber bitters. We do the same thing. This is the exact same weed as you can probably tell. The one on the the left was sprayed with water and then it was dried for 20, 30 minutes. And then the one on the right was sprayed. So I'm going to do it at the same time. They're both being sprayed in this video at the exact same time. And again, I just want to point out that the... The difference between them may appear subtle, but it's not. If you look at like, was it one, two, the fourth leaf down on on the right, there's quite a bit of moisture on that leaf. And the fourth leaf down on the right here, there's just a couple small little beads, you know. 
And we have this little branch over here in the top right hand corner. This is almost completely saturated over here where this in here, all the water is just, there's no water on it. Um, so I guess the point is don't underestimate the, the activity of these products. You, just because you're spraying it out and you may not, you may not see it necessarily uh, as obvious as the previous examples, but it, they're very active. Yeah, you know, what I've, I've often observed when customers are questioning the efficacy of a product, often those questions will arise when the product was applied either at really, really low water volumes or applied in the absence of an adjuvant, mm. especially when one was recommended by the product label. So those examples are pretty clear. We go from a small small example to a medium you know, with a spray bottle up to an actual real life situation where you'd spray it out and you see the, the differences between using an adjuvant and not using an adjuvant in terms of leaf surface coverage. One thing that I need a little help on myself, quite frankly, is uh, understanding the differences between these adjuvants. We have uh, at least that I'm aware of eight different adjuvants in the Herald's Spray Max line. So why don't we go through those and if you can or would, just briefly uh, maybe give an example of a product or just an example of a you know agronomic or turf management example where this product would be most suitable to be used. Yeah. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. And so here our labels are arranged. And in my experience, increasing aggressiveness in terms of their ability to penetrate the plant cuticle and, and spread for the most part, as, as you've shown here. So often um, what we'll see on a turf label, and I have an example here, and it's a product called uh, Tribute Total. Tribute Total is, is a really good example of a product that recommends an adjuvant, but also differentiates which adjuvant to use as the target plant changes. So, for example, in cases where it's a very tough to control weed, such as Dallas grass, a product like Tribute Total will recommend the inclusion of a methylated seed oil, which really helps to increase promote and uh, improve the transfer of that plant protectant or that herbicide through the cuticle and really serves as an aggressive adjuvant. The previous example, we used Dallas grass, which is one of the most difficult weeds to control. Even programs that you know have these fall applications of these products and these program approaches to Dallas grass control. It's very difficult to control. And what you're saying is, is that for weeds that are like Dallas grass, where they're challenging to control, a product like methylated seed oil, where it's recommended on the label, is indicative of that adjuvant's ability to increase its effectiveness of that product. Is that what you're Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of those, some of these weeds have really tough, thick cuticles. Often a product will recommend either a crop oil concentrate or a methylated seed oil in those examples. Sticking with the tribute total, here's an example of a target weed such as Kylinga or Sedge. In this example, tribute total recommends the inclusion of a non-ionic surfactant. Perhaps the inclusion of a non-ionic surfactant is desired when targeting a sedge or a kylinga type because the surface of the sedges are extremely water repellent. Carrier water will really uh, bounce off of those leaf surface. And, and so the inclusion of a non-ionic surfactant will really help promote the spread of the water and thereby the herbicide uniformly over that leaf surface. Well, well let me ask you this question though, because I really don't understand this. When it says NIS, non-ionic surfactant. Are there any of these products that aren't a non-ionic surfactant? 
aren't they all non-ionic surfactants, but they are composed of different non-ionic surfactants or am I wrong on that? Many of them are non-ionic surfactant based. Um, some of them differ in terms of their concentration. Some perhaps don't include a non-ionic surfactant within them, such as a methylated seed oil, which is derived from another source. Okay, so methylated seed oil or maybe even crop oil concentrate would, would not be a non-ionic surfactant. The crop oil concentrate may have a non-ionic surfactant component in it just to help with the overall function of that material. Hmm. But in general, they're, to my understanding, they're a very small component in some of these crop oil types or methylated seed oil hmm. products. So, uh, so the methylated seed oil and the crop oil concentrate, maybe silox, I don't know, are, are those two derived from plant products? I assume they are derived from, from plant products. Yeah, the crop oil concentrates are usually a oil, petroleum, paraffin-based type oh. of material. Okay. And the methylated seed oil is, is as the name indicates, okay. it's derived from that. Okay. So, when a, when a label like that, when one of our salesmen or, or customer reads that label and it says, include an NIS, a non-ionic surfactant for use on Kalingas or Sedges, where do they go to on these this list of products? Which yeah. one do they use? Yeah. So, if, if a product calls specifically for a non-ionic surfactant, I generally recommend our non-ionic penetrant. Okay. In my experience, it's the best direct source of a highly concentrated non-ionic penetrant. Let me just ask some questions about these differences in these products. If you were to sum up the differences briefly, the non-ionic penetrant and the non-ionic spreader sticker, is there any major one or two point differences between those two products? You know, the non-ionic spreader sticker probably serves best, as the name suggests, to maximize the adhesion of applied chemicals, applied water to the leaf surface. The non-ionic penetrant certainly promote the adhesion, but also maximize the spread of that water droplet, as we've seen in the previous examples, over the leaf surface of a target weed. So, the penetrant portion of the non-ionic penetrant, just to be clear, we're talking about penetrating the leaf cuticle. Penetrating the leaf cuticle and, and maximizing the spread of the product over the leaf surface. Okay. Some weeds are extremely resistant to the absorption of an applied herbicide. There's a couple good examples here on, again, referring to the tribute total label, goosegrass, for example, in regards to the efficacy of tribute total, not only do they recommend a methylated seed oil, but they also recommend a component of ammonium sulfate to help really promote and drive the uptake of the applied herbicide. In our lineup, we have a product called Herbicide Activator, which kind of has a dual purpose use. Not only is it a non-ionic spreader sticker, but it also has a component of ammonium sulfate in it. So, uh, one may consider the inclusion of both the methylated seed oil and the herbicide activator when using a product such as Tribute Total, which calls for the inclusion of both when targeting really tough weeds. Okay. So, is it fair to say that of the products that we have in our line, the herbicide activator is the most aggressive in terms of increasing the product's productivity and effectiveness? Yeah, I, I think herbicide activator, uh, you know, in certain situations, is definitely a go-to product mm -hmm. when trying to facilitate the penetration of a, an applied herbicide. Are there any examples that you're aware of where herbicide activator would, would not be beneficial or in other words, would cause a problem or would, would not be useful or would not be the product to go to? I mean, in other words, can somebody just pick herbicide activator every time or would there be a problem with doing that? Uh, you know, you, you could turn to herbicide activator on, on many occasions. The only thing I would caution is that number one, look at the label, confirm that it's not going to present any problems. But if you're using a material which 
historically is pretty aggressive and you don't want any negative impacts on the non-target turf, you may not want to include a product as aggressive as a herb- has okay. a herbicide activator. Okay. So, so in those cases, I would turn more to the to the lawn sticker or the the non-ionic penetrant mm. type of materials. Okay, so maybe like the old MSMA or something where you know it's going to burn a little bit, you might not want to include a herbicide activator in that case necessarily, that's especially right. if you're spot treating with a hot product like that's that. That's right, that's right. The the herbicide activator is a great inclusive product when you're going to use a non-selective like a Roundup. Mm. It helps to improve the efficacy of that product, but also serves to reduce the potential for alkaline hydro Hydrolysis, which has a significant impact on reducing the efficacy of a glyphosate product, especially a generic one that may not have the surfactant systems within them that have been designed to minimize the negative impacts of alkaline hydrolysis. So, yeah, the the uh, the product contains an, an additional component that is uh, a benefit. Now, what about foliar fertilization? Any reason why we shouldn't use something like this, or is that overkill when it comes to? Uh fertilizer uptake? Yeah, I think um, with regards to foliar fertilization, the inclusion of a surfactant, which once again helps promote the reduction of surface tension, increase leaf surface coverage, modify the plant cuticle a little bit to promote the foliar uptake of fertilizers, surfactant or adjuvant could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Within our line, the activator product was designed primarily for that type of a purpose. I don't feel that it's very aggressive in terms of the plant cuticle function, but definitely has that component in it, but certainly maximizes the distribution of water over a leaf surface. So either whatever product's in there, if you want to get it in the plant, one of these products will definitely uh, enhance that. Absolutely. You know, the siloxone surfactant is an example of a product in, in our lineup, which the siloxone type materials are identified as having the ability to significantly reduce the surface tension of water at really low rates and also have a or great impact on promoting the transfer of applied materials through very tough leaf cuticle surfaces and into the plant. Oh, really? So, uh, siloxone surfactants can be very uh, useful with that function. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, here's, a, here's an example of a product called Pilex herbicide within its label. It recommends the use of uh, crop oil concentrates or methylated seed oils specifically to increase the efficacy of the products. And this material actually does not recommend the use of a non-ionic surfactant or blends containing such because it may not provide satisfactory weed control. Hmm. So in this case, they're really going after tough, aggressive weeds and specifically call for crop oil concentrates or methylated seed oils. So I guess it seems like the take-home message when if a turf manager gets to a point where they're differentiating between these products is go to the chemical label, go to the, the pesticide label first and see if they specifically recommend one or in this case do not recommend one. Absolutely. The, the label is a great source of information for increasing the efficacy of an applied material or reducing the undesired impacts on the non-target plant when the material is applied. Monument's an example of one where they don't want it on there. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. Dismiss. I had a question yesterday about uh, Dismiss was applied with Fleet and they got a lot of tip burn, but Dismiss is a product where they specifically do not want a surfactant in it. Well, like I said, the take-home message, these labels don't just 
pop up out of thin air. There's a lot of work and a lot of time that goes into creating these labels from the manufacturer. You know, whatever they say on those labels is the, is the first place to start. You know, if you fidgeted with something in, in your own and had some success, well, fair enough. But that's where we need to start, I guess, is the label of the, of the actual product being sprayed. So this video, again, to, to show, to emphasize the influence and the spreadability of, of solutions with and without adjuvants. We, I, I used a really an unrealistic example as far as what you would ever do in real life, but to show it on, on video, we uh, decided to use this uh, example where they have this giant liriope leaves. And, and when I first did this, I'm putting water droplets on each one of these leaves. And I thought this was a mess up. And then later I realized, you know what? It's not really a mess up because part of the problem I had was getting the water droplet to sit on the leaf. It won't sit on the leaf. It just runs right off. Well, with the solution, if this is your solution, you spray it out, you know, just like the examples we've shown prior, none of that solution is staying on the leaf surface. It's all running off. So that's a problem. So here we have an example of all of our adjuvants um, where we have a water droplet that we were able to sit on the leaf and we add water the first one and, you know, nothing really happens. And then as we add the adjuvants into these water droplets, you see that slicking influence of the water covering the leaf surface. Again, what percentage of the leaf surface it is, I don't know, but there's a larger amount of the leaf surface is being covered and is in contact with the solution you sprayed out. So this is what they do. They lower that surface tension and get the water droplet to spread out over the leaf. To sum things up, adjuvants um, are a common product to use. Um, how they work and what they actually do, we hope we help describe that. Primarily, it's two things. They increase the leaf surface that's in contact with the solution, and they increase the penetration of the plant cuticle. In those two ways, they enhance the effectiveness of the uh, any product that's applied. To determine which adjuvant you, you was most suitable for your situation, you need to contact and your, your local rep or refer to the label of the product that you want to spread out. Now, here's an interesting note I noticed in the tribute total label. You know, they, they recommend the use of a non-ionic surfactant that is at least 80% active material and does not contain an organosilicone surfactant. So, you know, that would be a little bit of a differentiator between the non-ionic penetrant and I believe the lawn sticker because the lawn sticker has the siloxone silicone component in it, but the non-ionic penetrant does. So, sometimes they're not all exactly the same and you got to really dig into these labels to make sure that your default non-ionic surfactant doesn't contain a component which the label specifically refers to not to include. All right, good point. So, yeah. um the fine print on these things is is really important to read. And that's a good point. I mean, you, you don't want to just, you know, throw your money, you know, in one direction if you don't know what the usefulness of it is. And to get the most bang for your buck, to provide the, your customer with the, the best quality product that they're expecting, i.e., you know, high, high quality aesthetic plants, turf, whatever, uh, refer to the product label. Call your local Herald sales rep. They'll help you determine which product you need to use. And the key point, and in my mind, even at the very lowest rates – the use of an adjuvant at the lowest rate is far better than no adjuvant at all. That concludes this episode of Turf Dudes Extra. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. That's T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S.com. Send your questions to at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email at turfdudes at heralds.com.